Get a quote in 60 seconds at spiritdental.com forward slash brain. It's dental coverage made easy. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about in this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, well, thank you for showing up today. It is uh, an interesting time, especially in the U.S. as the COVID cases rise. Uh People are behaving in different ways. <laughs> People are responding in different ways. And, you know, the U.S. is experiencing a rising number of cases, and some people are really stressed out about it. Some people still don't have any work. Some people are worried about what's going to happen. And I don't mean to discount any other country in the world. It just seems like we are going through our second wave pretty early. So <laughs> the second wave might be coming your way. And uh, I don't mean to make your day any worse than it is, but um, that's what we're dealing with. And I haven't covered COVID too much. I have talked about it here and there. And this isn't going to be a COVID show, but with a pandemic, with this um, situation that's unfolding and has been unfolding for months now comes emotions with any type of major life change there are emotions and because of that this is what we need to deal with it we need to deal with these emotions that come up and um, what happens when you are in a situation that everybody is experiencing this is something that I and probably almost everyone listening I would guess hasn't experienced where everyone's going through the same thing. We all have different circumstances. Absolutely. Some of us are luckier than others. Some of us don't have to worry about money. I do, but some of us don't have to worry about a lot of things. So being in lockdown might not be a big problem for some people. For others, it is. And what about not being able to see your friends and your family and just feeling isolated? How is everyone feeling about that? And then, of course, there are some places that have loosened their restrictions and you can go out and be among people. Some people wear masks, some people don't, and some people uh, think it's a hoax and some people don't. I'm not here to talk about that battle. <laughs> no way. But I am here to at least give a perspective on what to do in your mind, with your emotions, where to go. And I will say this up front, I've never experienced this before, so I'm not the expert on it. I might not have the best advice for you on this. I might not give you the best thoughts or processes on this, except to ask yourself questions. And this is where I usually go when there's something 
big happening in my life and it's an emotional trigger or a stress, uh, something that I just don't know how to handle. I can't process it. I just ask myself questions. And I think questions are always a good way to help yourself to get into a better space. Because if you're not asking questions, you're probably stuck in some sort of thought loop. You're thinking in a certain way, you're feeling a certain way, and you might be replaying some old tapes or new tapes inside your mind that keep repeating things like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh no, July's coming. My unemployment's going to get cut off. I know that's a real thing for people. Oh no, uh, what if I don't get a second stimulus check? Oh no, what if I get COVID? Oh no, what if I die? This is the inner dialogue that can happen that, yes, they are questions, but they are more like unanswerable questions. What am I going to do? I mean, you can explore that. That is definitely recommended. Okay, what if your unemployment does go away? What are you going to do? Your immediate answer might be, I don't know. What am I going to do? I, I don't know. I can't get hired back or I can't find a job or, you know, a lot of people are going through this. What am I going to do? So that might not be an answerable question or maybe you'll have to think outside the box or something else. But it is good to explore that stuff, try to plan ahead, even though you may have no idea what you're going to do. So if you're thinking along those lines, like, I have no idea what I'm going to do, play it out. You know, visualize it happening. I think about the times when I was married, I lost my job, she lost her job, uh, the mortgage crisis was happening, 2008, 2009, um, I lost my condo in Florida, and we were renting, and suddenly we couldn't afford to rent the condo that we were in, in California, and then we ended up at her mom's house, which was really a 600-square-foot apartment, and we ended up going to the soup kitchen every morning. So we were broke, completely broke. And I remember having all the fearful thoughts before that happened. What are we going to do? What if we have no money? What are we going to do then? And if I had had this exercise back then, I think I would have maybe survived it better before we both hit bottom. Because I've said this before, when you hit bottom and there's nowhere else to go, then what you were fearing or what you were anxious about doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. That's what's nice about the bottom. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's a nice comforting feeling about hitting bottom because all the anticipation, all the anxiety working up to the bottom disappears just goes away. I've experienced this two or three, maybe four times in my life. Uh, certainly one when I broke down in the desert and I, I was a thousand miles from home and I had no money or at least not enough money for a bus ticket. And um, I hit bottom then. I was in, in mid-panic. It was the worst. I felt I was going to die. And um, I hit bottom then. And then when I hit bottom, realizing there was no way out, I had no options, I was going to lose my possessions, there was nothing else to fear. It disappeared, and a wave of peace washed over me. So I don't want you to be afraid of the bottom because as a morbid way I look at this, but either you're not going to know because you're dead <laughs> or you're going to be in a space that, yes, it sucks, but here I am and I have nothing else to fear about this because I'm in it 
all the fear that I had leading up to this is gone because now it's happening. So I guess I'll just have to deal with it. I make it sound so easy and I know it's not. And I know that one person's bottom is different from another person's bottom. Uh, that didn't sound right, but you know what I mean? And uh, you might be suffering at the bottom. Yes, there's a big possibility that there will be suffering at the bottom. But what I'm talking about is that we can build up all this anxiety, all this fear about something happening. And I still do it. It's not like I have the magic pill for this, but uh, I have tools now I'm going to teach you today. Uh, you may know some of this stuff, but having all this anxiety and all this anticipation and all these emotions and all these fearful thoughts building up and building up. And then finally something happens that frees you from all these thoughts. And something usually has to happen for you to just suddenly feel free. Uh, and that is either hitting bottom or a huge solution comes along. For example, you might think I'm afraid to get COVID. And if I get it, I might die because I have asthma or I'm in that age group or I have some weird complication because I have COVID and now suddenly I'm dead. That could be a very real fear, a real thought process that you're going through. But if there was a vaccine created, suddenly the fear is gone. You might think, oh, finally, I can just take the vaccine and I won't get it. And I don't have that worry anymore. So that's a big solution that comes along. So that could happen or... You could hit bottom. You could get COVID. You could get sick. You might be in ICU. And then you might survive and you might be okay and everything will be fine. And hopefully we develop antibodies and we don't catch it again. They're still studying that. But you hit bottom and yeah, you might suffer and you get through it. But everything that you were thinking up to that point is no longer in you. It, it's like released. So that's what I mean. It's like when the solution comes or the bottom comes, either way, it's a release. So again, I, I have a, a maybe a different perspective on this than a lot of people because I've hit bottom in different areas of my life. And I'm sure you have too. I'm sure there are people listening right now that have hit bottom in different ways. Oh no, I got an F on a test. I mean, it might be the bottom for someone. The other bottom might be, oh no, the, the love of my life left. That could be the bottom too. And that could be a surprise or that could be a fear that you carried with you. And then you might think of that. Well, yeah, but that's still a loss. But the thought of them leaving is no longer in you. I'm not saying there aren't new thoughts and new emotions and new fears that come out when you hit bottom. That is definitely true. That happens. There can be new thoughts, new fears, new feelings about uh, hitting bottom or even the solution. You get the solution. Hey, great. There's a vaccine for COVID. Now I'm cured. But now I have to deal with this, whatever the next thing is, whatever this is. And now that occupies your mind. Yet you can look at it and go, well, if the solution comes, then I don't have to worry about it anymore. Or if the bottom comes, then I don't have to worry about it anymore because these particular worries won't apply anymore. But is there another way? Is there another way to stop worrying, stop being anxious, stop anticipating? Well, like I said, this is where you ask yourself questions and not the kind of questions like I was saying earlier, like what will happen if I get COVID? What will happen if I don't get my job back? What will happen this? What will happen that? Not those kind of questions because those are hard to answer. You don't know. Those are future-based questions that you really don't know the answer to. And yes, visualize and pretend it's happening in your mind now so that you can maybe plan for it. 
But today's questions are about today and what you're feeling today, what you're thinking today. You know, I wrote an article on theoverwhelmedbrain.com called Stupid Questions That Lead to Healing. And I just brought it up with a client today. This is why I thought about it. This is something that I do when I'm in any type of stress mode and I can't get out of it. And that's usually because I'm emotionally triggered for some reason or I'm stressing about something that I just can't stop stressing about. I like to ask myself what I call stupid questions. And I'm going to explain stupid questions in a moment. But I think asking yourself really pointed questions but obvious questions are really helpful for you to break down what you feel so negative about. Whether it's you feel sad, whether you feel angry, whether you feel afraid, what you feel negative about should be explored and shouldn't be what I like to look at is generalized. You shouldn't generalize these feelings. And what I mean by that is, let's just say that um, your pet died. And if your pet died, I'm sorry, I, I know it's tough. I lost mine a couple years ago and uh, it's sad and it's hard. It's a member of the family dying. But if your pet died, the general consensus is that people are sad that their pet died. That's the general consensus. That's what I look at as generalizing. I am generalizing the feeling of sadness uh, to everyone. I, I'm putting that on everyone who loses a pet because I'm going to assume that they would be sad that their pet died too. So when somebody comes along and asks me a, quote, stupid question like, are you sad that your pet died? I'm going to answer, of course I'm sad. Wouldn't you be sad? Wouldn't you be sad if your beloved pet, your beloved family member died? I'm going to feel like it's a patronizing question or condescending question. Like, are you being sarcastic? Of course I'm sad. This is what I call stupid questions. When other people ask you these stupid questions outside of a coaching or therapeutic environment, you're going to look at them funny or you're going to get angry with them. But I think these are very valid questions to ask yourself. So a question like, are you sad that your pet died? Or even something more generic like, how do you feel about your pet dying? That could be a somewhat stupid question because you might answer, well, how do you think I feel? I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm angry at myself because I, I should have done something about it. I should have known what to do. You know, I, I had those feelings. Like I should have done something sooner. And so I'm angry and I'm sad and I don't know what to think. I'm confused. And now I'm also irritated because you ask me such a stupid question. <laughs> so again, these may be difficult to hear from someone else unless you prepare them. So let's just say that you're the coach and you're going to coach someone else. You need to prepare these people. Look, I'm going to ask you some questions that sound very obvious, very stupid. And I don't want you to think I don't care. I'm just going to ask these questions to explore where you are inside of you. And now this is me saying this to you. I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to ask you stupid questions to help you connect with something inside of you, even though the answers may be obvious. I don't know if you've ever read Mad Magazine, but they had this section called, um, what is it called? Stupid answers to stupid questions or snappy answers to stupid questions. It's something like that. And it was how people responded to, to obvious questions. 
like somebody's in a line at a convenience store and somebody walks up behind him and says, are you in line? And in the comic, the person would turn around and go, no, I'm getting a massage. They would say some smart alecky answer that would be funny to the reader and insulting to the person asking. Uh, but these aren't that. This isn't where I meant to go with that. But the questions will feel like that. Like, what? That's just obvious. That's ridiculous. But um, what's good about this is that a lot of people don't ask you stupid questions. They don't explore what is generally speaking the way most people would feel. Like, how do you feel about not having any money in your account? How do you think I feel? There's the snappy answer. But if I were to explore that with you, how, how would you feel about that? Well, geez, you know, I would be afraid. And then my next question might be, well, why would you be afraid? And you might look at that as a stupid question. But often these stupid questions lead to some deep insights about yourself. And that's where I want to take you today. I want to ask you some stupid questions that lead to some deep insights about yourself. Uh, just so you can get into a better understanding of why you might feel how you feel even though it seems obvious, like if you're scared about the future and you're saying, of course, I'm scared about the future because who wouldn't be, then maybe you haven't explored it enough to the point where you might be able to get past this fear. Imagine that. Imagine being able to ask yourself enough questions where that fear wasn't prevalent anymore and your inner dialogue changed. And it wasn't all about, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? If your inner dialogue wasn't full of negativity, it might change how you approach things. And this is what I do. I mean, having had no money in my account and having to go to the soup kitchen every morning has certainly changed my perspective. I hit bottom. And knowing that bottom wasn't the end, it was just a springboard to leap to the next chapter in life, it really changed my perspective. So, here I am, a homeowner in a great relationship, and I know that something could happen to take it all away. And as much as I would hate for that to happen, and all the fear surrounding that, I could be homeless. As much as that could happen, having been there, knowing I could survive, knowing that it's going to be okay no matter what, helps me get through it. But if you haven't been there, and there are places I haven't been, there are bottoms I haven't hit, not having been there gives me an entirely different perspective. There could be fear in there. If somebody came along and said there's going to be an alien invasion, there would be fear in me. I wouldn't know what's going to happen. And I would have to explore that in me and figure out why I would be afraid of that. And somebody might say, what do you mean why? It's obvious. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to explore when we come back right after this. there's one thing I figured out over the years and it's that I don't like really crunchy chips. <laughs> they make these kettle chips that are really hard and crunchy, but I never liked chewing them. I know there's some good flavors, but I never liked chewing them. And so I always try to avoid eating them, but I never thought about like why, you know, like we were talking about asking yourself stupid questions. Why don't I like these chips? My obvious answer was, well, they're just too crunchy. They're too hard. 
but I never really thought about why that's a problem. And it took me a while to come to the conclusion that my teeth always hurt when I'm crunching into these chips. And I never really thought twice about it. I just thought the chips were too hard. But it turns out I have cavities. I have problems in my teeth that I need to get corrected. And of course, I don't like anything crunchy because it's hurting my teeth every time I chew. And it's been going on for so long, I never even thought about it. I never even thought about how much it hurt. I just always avoided chewing crunchy things and uh, missing out on what might be some good food. I know chips aren't that great. <laughs> You're not supposed to eat those, but uh, I like chips. But I can't eat the kettle chips because they just hurt my teeth. So to be able to talk about dental insurance is something that uh, maybe you don't think about a lot, but just being able to chew food is something that I didn't realize I could probably improve. Just being able to chew food. And it's so great to be able to talk about Spirit Dental because they make it easy to help you find a dental plan that's right for you. I mean, with other providers, you could run into high deductibles, long waiting periods, and expensive procedures that might not even be covered. But Spirit has a bunch of trusted plans that include guaranteed acceptance, no wait period for major services, a $100 lifetime deductible, and coverage for services like dental implants, crowns, and bridges. So I finally have these options starting to appear because I've not been able to get good dental insurance and the dental work I need uh, is probably going to cost a lot. So I am grateful for a company like this. I am highly recommending you check them out at spiritdental.com forward slash brain. If you want a little peace of mind and you want to be able to chew on food and use both sides of your mouth, which I can't do right now. I know I make it sound like my mouth is a mess. I just have a few cavities. I need to make an appointment soon. And I'm looking at Spirit Dental as a good option for dental coverage. And I want you to look at them too. Go to spiritdental.com forward slash brain. Get your $100 lifetime deductible and your quote in about 60 seconds. Spiritdental.com forward slash brain. All right, welcome back. Like I said, I've got some stupid questions to ask you. I'm going to read this email before we get into these stupid questions because this email is kind of what inspired me to talk about this today. It's a really quick one. Uh, This person wrote, I recently started listening to your podcast. I've also listened to uh, some older episodes and it's really helpful and also enjoyable. Thanks for doing it. You're welcome. As someone who struggles with anxiety, I've noticed something about myself that I've not heard talked about on your show or others. I found one blog post somewhere where somebody with anxiety discussed it, so maybe it isn't common. One of my issues is that I overreact and become upset when people change plans. Most recently, my boyfriend has said he was coming over in the afternoon, but then texted it would be early evening. I thought we had a plan, and he didn't think we agreed on a time. It was a simple misunderstanding, and we also handle plans and time very differently. But I felt angry and upset, and I spiraled down into a funk, that I could barely pull myself out of, but I have been doing better since I realized this happens to me. But I think it's linked to anxiety. Like a lot of anxious people, I try to control my outside circumstances in order to control my anxiety, which never works. Thanks for listening, and thanks for the podcast. And um, I'm just going to call her uh, Wendy. 
So, Wendy, thank you so much for writing and thank you for sharing this. And I'm sorry you're dealing with this. I'm sure that there are people listening right now that can absolutely relate. If not to the anger that you get when somebody changes plans, at least to the anxiety part. If you haven't heard my show on anxiety, definitely tune into that. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and in the search field on the right, type in anxiety. Or if it's on your phone, you have to scroll down and find the search field. And uh, just type in the word anxiety and you'll see all the times I talked about anxiety. I have a specific episode that I call, what is it? When Panic Attacks, the Anxiety Episode. I love that title because it's double meanings. But <laughs> you can listen to that and I think it'll be helpful to you because I approach anxiety probably differently than most people. Just like I approach this with these stupid questions. So I brought up the stupid questions in the last segment in the sense that you can use it for almost anything that you feel negative about. And for Wendy, she feels negative about um, somebody changing plans on her. And she's not sure why. She, why do I get angry or why do I get upset when somebody changes their plans? So I'm going to talk to Wendy through this podcast. But at the same time, I want you, everyone but Wendy, to think about something that is on your mind. I don't know if it's if you're stressed out about what's happening in the world today. I mean, there's also all the protesting going on, and there's also the police shooting the people of color. There's all kinds of things going on that can totally stress us out. And these questions that I'm going to ask you aren't meant to minimize anything you're going through. They aren't meant to take away what you need to do in your life for you. They're just meant to address the emotions if you want to. Like if you're angry about the Black Lives Matter movement, and you want things to change in this country, and the anger is fueling you, then I'm not telling you you have to get rid of it. If the emotion is working for you, if it's serving you, then don't do this exercise. You know, keep what serves you. But if it doesn't serve you, if it's working against you, if it's causing you to stay up at night and you're getting really irritated because you're losing sleep or you're losing family members because you can't stop being angry and I mean, I'm just talking about emotions and the thoughts and the feelings that don't serve you. So if the emotions serve a purpose, absolutely continue utilizing them. Let them fuel your cause. Let them fuel the thing you need to do for you, whatever that is. But if it's not serving you and it's causing a problem in your life, let's go through the questions. So Wendy or anyone else that's listening that has a problem or a stress or some concern or some negative emotion in their mind, you know, regarding a specific thing, my first question is, why do you feel that way? You may have to pause between these questions because some people will take a little longer to, to think about it. And that's okay. So pause if you need to. But that's the first question. Why do you feel this way? Now, some people will say, well, I feel this way because XYZ is happening. It'll be something happening outside yourself. For Wendy, it might be, well, uh, he shouldn't have changed plans. I'm really angry that he changes the plans when he knows we were supposed to meet at this time. So the, the first answer to the question is usually something outside yourself. Not always, but a lot of the times uh, it's usually outside yourself. So we answer these honestly, you know, okay, that's why it happens because I'm angry about something he or she did. Again, I'm talking to Wendy and, of course, anyone else that's following along. So the next question would be, 
If you haven't thought about this, then pause, but let's continue. Why does that make you feel that way? So this could be uh, anger, this could be sadness, it could be a number of things, but why does that make you feel anger or sadness or whatever you feel? Now in Wendy's case, she might think to herself or say out loud, why does it make me angry? Because he was late or uh, he said he was going to be here. So now there's the point where you're either going to go internal or stay external. You can stay external if you want. External is I'm thinking about something outside myself that I didn't have control over, that something happened that upset me. That's the external. The internal is it upset me because when it happened, uh, I thought of or I felt or I remembered something that happened to me, something that's inside of me, a thought process that I'm experiencing, an emotion that I'm experiencing. This is something internal. And you're either going to go external or internal. And depending on where you go is how fast you'll get to what I like to call the origin of the emotion. Because this is where it's leading. We're trying to get to the origin of this emotion, even though it might be obvious why we're having the emotion. Getting to the origin really helps you break apart its hold on you. So if you have an emotion that's going on that doesn't serve you, feels awful, then why don't we find out where that came from? And when you do, it can help, um, like I said, release its hold on you so that you can move on, so you can get past it. You may still have it. You may still have these feelings, but maybe they won't be so powerful. Or maybe they'll disappear altogether. That would be nice. So we asked, why do you feel that way? And then we asked, why does that make you feel that way? So with Wendy is, why does him changing the plans make you feel angry? That would be my question to Wendy. And so she might respond, well, he changes plans and that makes me upset because I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to do this at 2 o'clock and he wants to show up at 6 o'clock. So there's something affecting her that's causing her to be angry. So my next stupid question would be, Whatever answer she gives me, whatever story she has, I'm going to ask her this. How is that a problem? So that might be a stupid question, but in order to answer it, you really have to break apart why you have these feelings or these emotions or these thoughts. And this is really where you start to go inward. You start to go inside you instead of focusing your energy outside of you. How is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because what is it? With Wendy, it might be, it's a problem because if I'm ready to go and he's not, then it really messes up my day. It might be that for her. How is that a problem? So whatever story that you had, that whatever story that you told yourself, how is that a problem? So hopefully you're starting to go inward now. Hopefully you are having these internal things. Like Wendy might say, it messes up my day. So that is now something direct with her. That whether her boyfriend is involved or not, she doesn't like when her day's messed up. Now we're starting to change focus off of him and onto the problem. I mean, at least her problem, her issue. So when I ask, how is that a problem? 
hopefully you're starting to take the focus off of what you think the real problem is and starting to go internal to figure out how it's a problem for you. So you could look at someone and say, how is their behavior a problem for me? And with Wendy, and I'm just putting words in her mouth, uh, it messes up my day. Okay, this is where we go to the next question. So we asked, why do you feel that way? Why does that make you feel that way? And the next question, how is that a problem? And whatever answer you get to that, you apply it to the next question. So if Wendy says, it messes up my day, I would ask the next question, well, why is that a problem? And what I mean to Wendy is, why is your day getting messed up a problem? So that's the uh, fourth question. Why is that a problem? Meaning, why is the answer to the last question a problem? So this is now really starting to go inward. And if you haven't gone inward yet, you need to. <laughs> this is the point where it's all internal now. It has nothing to do with the external circumstances. It, I mean, it gets caused by that, yes. But the internal feelings and thoughts and emotions that you're experiencing are now being addressed. and They're now being uh, highlighted. So I say, well, why is him changing plans and showing up late a problem? Well, I get angry because if my day gets messed up, then, and Wendy's going to have an answer to that. I'm going to make something up, but let's just say that Wendy said, I get angry because my day's messed up because I feel like he's disrespecting my time. There's a different answer. There's something very internal. Yes, she's still sort of pointing outside herself, but now she's addressing something maybe a little deeper inside of her. Somebody is disrespecting her, and she does not like that feeling of being disrespected. How about this? I don't feel uh, I'm being valued. I don't feel like I'm important to this person. So why is that a problem should lead to some deeper reveal inside of you. Why is that a problem? And let's just say that um, Wendy said, well, I, I feel like he doesn't respect my time. I feel like I'm being disrespected or devalued in some way. And my next question is going to be another stupid one. I'm going to ask, well, how is that a problem? So we're back to that same question, but it's a really good one at this point. How is being devalued? How is being disrespected a problem? It's a stupid question, but it's a good one. Because now you're challenging yourself about your own values, your own beliefs about how being either devalued in her case or feeling disrespected or feeling unimportant is important to her. Like, let's challenge these beliefs that we have that we shouldn't be disrespected or we shouldn't feel disrespected. I'm not saying that it's okay to be disrespected. I'm just asking you to explore why that's a problem for you. Or in this case, how is that a problem for you? So with Wendy, how is it a problem that you're being disrespected? How is that a problem? Now she's going to dive in a little further. This is going down the rabbit hole. I call it the drill down technique where you keep drilling down and drilling in and getting closer and closer to the origin of why you feel the way you do. And when you get into these deeper states and you're really starting to uncover some stuff, you're going to feel that grip these emotions have on you start to change. They start to shift. They start to loosen a little bit. I mean, I hope that's happening with you as you go through this. But having that question, how is that a problem or how is that a problem for you might even be a better way to ask it. 
I would ask Wendy, how is being disrespected a problem for you? So now she has to dig deeper. How deep can we go with this? We can go pretty deep. So wherever you are with this, how is that a problem for you? So now you're going to come up with an answer. You're going to come up with your story, your narrative. And I don't mean to minimize it by calling it your story, but this is what we do. We have a story. Our words create the narrative for what's happening inside of us. So what story do you come up with? How is that a problem for you? So with Wendy, she might say, well, being disrespected means that that person doesn't really care about me. And if they don't care about me, then I don't feel like I'm important. And she might repeat some stuff. I don't feel respected. And that's okay if you repeat stuff. That's okay. But we're looking for other words too because she's now she's drilling even deeper. Um, I don't feel loved. I don't feel like I'm part of a family. Wow. I mean, talk about some deep stuff. I mean, this started off as I get angry when he changes plans. That's how it started off. But the origin is so much deeper. It's so much more maybe painful. And on the surface, it's all about why are you doing this? You know I get angry when you change plans. That's the surface talk that most of us go through. Like we, we talk about this stuff and we argue about this stuff, but really when we start drilling down and asking ourselves these questions, we find out there's an origin of a deeper feeling that we don't want to feel. I don't want to feel unloved. I don't want to feel like I'm not part of a family. This is the scenario I'm creating for Wendy. And it may be that way for you too. There may be something very deep in there. And this is why it's important to explore it because once you realize what it's about, it starts to break apart the surface level talk that we do. You know, most of our conversations are along the surface. You made me angry because you changed plans. That's a very surface thing to say. But when you discover that it's all about not feeling loved and feeling maybe left out, maybe abandoned. That's where Wendy might go with this. And it's pretty deep stuff and she might have some healing to do with that. But I will say this, once you discover some of this deeper stuff, the healing tends to start on its own. Because we're not aware of this stuff. We're not digging deep enough typically. We don't ask ourselves stupid questions. We just go, well, it's obvious anyone would be angry. So when we ask ourselves these stupid questions, we get to discover what's really going on under the surface and what's really driving our emotions. And we figure out exactly why we get upset and why we're emotionally triggered and why there's so much energy behind the way we feel. So this is a, a journey of discovery. Let's go to the one of the final questions, or this isn't really final. You can continue doing it. But one of the last questions I like to ask, uh, which usually leads into another conversation, but the last question is typically, when was the first time you felt that? When was the first time you felt that? Like with Wendy, she's going to think, what do you mean? The first time I felt unloved? The first time I felt like I was abandoned or disrespected? And I would say, yes, when was the first time you felt that? How long ago was it? How old were you? Let's discover that. Because there's an origin there as well. She might go, well, I remember when I was six and um, my mom said she was going to the store and she never came home. Whoa, I mean, that's some pretty deep stuff. Imagine discovering that. 
Imagine figuring out that this conversation about someone changing plans has to do with something her mom did when she was six, whether intentionally or unintentionally, or maybe there was an accident, or maybe she left the family, or maybe she came back a few days later, but it's stuck in her head. It's stuck in Wendy's head that this could have been what happened a long time ago that she carried with her through the years and brought into everyday conversations. She brought into her relationships and now her relationships are affected and she's emotionally triggered by things all because of this layer after layer after layer of this buffering that has happened over the years that has covered the true source of the emotion. And when you get into those deepest layers, the closest raw layer of where this started, this will help the healing process. Because as you grow older and the things you never processed and healed from never get addressed again, and then they turn into little tiny destructive ways to communicate in your relationship, but the origins are never addressed, then those get forgotten and then you are stuck feeling this way and behaving in a way that others might find a little strange. Like, you get upset because I changed plans. Why does that upset you so much? I don't know. It just upsets me. (laughs) She might go into that state of mind. But what I'm saying is once you discover the origin, once you really drill down and allow yourself to connect at that deepest level, what's going to happen is that all those layers that were protecting that origin, that, that original emotion when it started, they'll break away and they won't be that heavy cover over the emotion anymore. They'll break away. They'll break apart those layers. And when they break apart, the emotion is able to be free. It's able to be released. It's able to be processed. I'm not saying that happens every time. I mean, sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need therapy. Sometimes you need someone to walk you through this process. But when you're able to discover this and get through all the layers that have covered it over the years, you can lighten the emotional load and feel so much better so much different. And so those are the general questions that I typically ask when we're drilling down into an emotion. You can also ask yourself, for example, in the article, I talk about these other questions and I used fear as an example. And, you know, let's bring it back to COVID and stress and the protests and everything else that's going on today. Like I brought up in the beginning, these could be things that are causing you stress, causing you fear, And I might ask you questions like, okay, what exactly do you fear? Why do you fear that? Here's another question. What's so bad about that? And you might say, well, there's a lot bad about this. It's injustice. It's this, it's that. Or I'm afraid to get a disease. How is that a problem? What could that lead to? How about this? What's worse than that? It's another way to drill down. What's worse than that? Or something else. What else could happen? Now we're expanding it into other things that could happen, which could go one way or the other. You could get more upset, or you can stop being so laser-focused on what you think is the problem. So check that article out if you want. Um, It's called Stupid Questions That Lead to Healing. It's at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. It might be helpful to you. And I hope you got something from today's episode, because there is a lot of stress in the world. And yes, I am asking you to address your real fears and real concerns, not because I think they'll go away and not because I'm trying to say that you won't get COVID or you won't be upset about white cops killing black people. I'm not going in that direction at all. 
I'm saying let's explore the emotions that don't seem to serve you. Let's explore the emotions that seem to hold you back, that seem to keep you upset and keep you up at night, and you just can't get through them or past them. And you want to. If you want to, this is a process that you can use. This is something that I do for myself. And even if you don't want to, it's still an interesting journey to figure out where this comes from because some of this stuff is really deeply rooted. I mean, I get upset when the romantic person in my life, my romantic partners over the years, wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. That used to be me. (laughs) I mean, I wanted them to do certain things or act a certain way. And if they didn't, I would get upset. I talk about that at love and abuse and emotionally abusive situations. And that's how I was showing up. I want her to be a certain way. So I'm going to be judgmental and make her feel guilty. And as long as she's complying with the way I want her to be, then everyone's happy. Of course, she's not happy. But I had to do this drill down process on myself to heal from that. Like, why am I so damn judgmental? I finally asked myself that question. Of course, that was after when I was married, she wanted to separate and wanted to get a divorce. Finally kicked me in the butt. It finally made me realize that I was the common denominator for all my problems. So I better fix myself. And that's what I started doing. I started asking myself questions. Why am I so judgmental? How is her not behaving the way I want a problem? Why is that a problem? How is that really a problem for me? I drilled in, I drilled down, and I discovered that I did not want my stepfather to drink. I mean, that's where my drill down led. I did not want my stepfather to drink. I wanted him to love me. I wanted wanted him to treat me better like he treated his real daughter. It was all these discoveries that came up when I started drilling down and I cried about it and it was an awful feeling at the same time. It was starting to liberate me. It was starting to make me realize I was holding on to old childhood beliefs and childhood fears and insecurities that I really wanted to change when I was a child, but I never let them go. And then I took all these childhood beliefs into my adult relationships and tried to control them. You know, I I became judgmental because I didn't want my stepfather to drink. And I generalized that into anyone that did anything that I didn't want them to do. Uh, because I'm an adult now, I can control the situation. (laughs) I'm sort of being sarcastic, but that's what I was doing. I put my judgments on them and I tried to control them. And that's why everyone broke up with me in my life. And uh, once I learned that lesson, the breaking up stopped. People stopped feeling judged. People stopped feeling controlled. The people in my life finally felt safe around me because I was no longer applying my old childhood beliefs to our relationship. I was no longer introducing the dysfunction of those old childhood insecurities. And so this can happen too. You can heal. You can get through it. You can be in a better space with it. This may not be the cure-all, end-all, but it sure as heck helped me a lot. And I hope this process helps you too. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll be right back. I'll say my thank yous and my goodbyes right after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to spiritdental.com forward slash brain and get your lifetime $100 deductible. Great place for dental insurance and they have other things too, like uh, I think vision as well. So check them out, spiritdental.com forward slash brain. And I want to take a moment to thank the patrons of the week. These are the financial supporters of the show. Audrey, she joined in January of 2020. Hello, Audrey. Jamie, just over a year Good to have you on board, Jamie. Jennifer, for two years. Wow. I remember Jennifer. We've coached together a couple times. Good to see you on this list. Hey, Jennifer and Angel. She's a couple months new. And Angela, couple months. Good to have you guys or girls on board. And Kay, she just joined. Kay, welcome to the club. Uh, Amy, she joined in March. And James, a full year and a half. Wow. So grateful for all of you, for all your support. I read patrons' names every week. If you want to be on this list, head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. That's where if you find value in the show, you can show your support by um, contributing monthly or a single donation. Totally up to you. Uh, But this is how we keep the show going. And I am so grateful for all patrons. If you haven't heard your name yet, keep listening. You'll hear it. Thank you so much, patron members. Again, head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And I want to give a special thanks to Crystal. She wrote to me and she said, I listen to every single episode of The Overwhelmed Brain and Love and Abuse. (laughs) I am amazed, Crystal. That is wild. You listen to every episode. So I am mentioning you on the show because that is an accomplishment. (laughs) That's like six and a half years of The Overwhelmed Brain and just over a year and a half of Love and Abuse. You have put in your time. Uh, I appreciate you. Hey, if you've listened to every episode of the show, let me know. I would love to hear from you because that is an accomplishment. So thank you again, Crystal. Thank you for telling me that. And uh, congratulations. I'll have to come up with an award or something for that. So thank you, Crystal. And uh, I'm going to tell you about Love and Abuse. Love and Abuse is my other podcast. Uh, If you find that you're just not able to identify what's happening in your relationship, you're having some difficulties, or you feel like you're being blamed for everything going wrong with it, you could be in an emotionally abusive situation. So visit loveandabuse.com and you can access the podcast. And of course, I have the mean workbook over there. It's a healing and assessment guide for difficult relationships. Loveandabuse.com. And finally, what's one more website? I'll add another one. I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And I'm going to read you a couple quick emails to end the show. Um, this person wrote, I recently ended a verbally abusive relationship that lasted two years. He was very complex, loving, and so cruel verbally to me. I have read so many books to help me out. I feel awful, but still your podcast has helped me out in ways that I can't even describe. I have so much guilt and shame in the end as he crossed a huge boundary for me. He swore at me a lot and called me horrible names such as, and she names all the names, I won't say them here, and he called me the C word on several occasions. I told him to leave, and he is now blaming me for the end of our relationship and apologized, but he told me to get over it. He refuses to speak to me after I told him to leave and move out. He is shifting blame, which I know means that it will be hard to see any change. He constantly nitpicked me and would rage text me, etc. Your podcast has helped me in so many ways, I really can't thank you enough. Whoa, what a story. I'm so sorry you dealt with that. And I am so very proud of you to be able to stand up and say no more. No more. I don't want it. And maybe you feel something because he's blaming you. Well, let me tell you the tactic that people use, some emotionally abusive people use. When they leave the relationship, 
yes, they will shift blame. They will make you focus on yourself. They will try to make you think about what you did wrong and what you could have done better. And they will keep you in that constant state of wonder if you are actually to blame for this. And you're not. Yeah, you had a conversation and it takes two. I I know all that stuff. But from what you just told me, you're not to blame. You did the right thing. You have to stand up for yourself. Your integrity is on the line. Your character is on the line. You are on the line sometimes. Sometimes it can get physical. So I need you to be proud that you did this and confident that you did the right thing because I'm backing you up right now. I want you to feel confident that you did the right thing because you did. And there are going to be people like this that play on your emotions and take advantage of your compassion, take advantage of your ability to give the benefit of the doubt and ability to see that maybe there's uh, more than meets the eye. People take advantage of that stuff. They, they know that you're a compassionate person, so they're going to take advantage of that. And when that happens, you have to remind yourself that that's the game they play. And the game he's playing, or it sounds like he's playing, is he wants you to reach back out to him. He's going to hold on to that anger because as long as he feels right, then he'll never be in a vulnerable place. And people like this hate to be vulnerable. They hate feeling like they're wrong. They hate feeling like they could have done better because that highlights an insecurity or that highlights a weakness in them. This is what they think. They think it's a weakness. And by saying, oh my God, I should have done better. I could have done better. I should have treated you better. I shouldn't have called you all those words. That feels like a weakness to them. So they would rather be proud in their righteousness than have a supportive, loving, reciprocating relationship with someone who actually gives a damn, (laughs) with someone who actually wants to love them. It's like they won't allow themselves to be vulnerable enough to be loved or to love in a healthy way. So, I am congratulating you. I am telling you, don't fall for the game. Just disconnect and move on. And hopefully someday he'll figure out what he did, what he did to lose the relationship and what he can do better next time. And that involves healing on his part. If he's still doing the same behaviors and shifting blame and constantly rage texting you, you need to block him. You need to just move on with your life. So Thank you for sharing this, and you are welcome. I don't know how much I helped you. You said your podcast has helped in so many ways. Um, You did all the work. I just gave you some tips, (laughs) and you had to do the hard work. It's easier for me to sit behind the microphone and tell you my experience and tell you the processes you can do and give you some tips, but you have to do the work. That is the hard part. I get it. I know it's the hard part. I've had to do a lot of this work myself. So I know what it takes to do this. So congratulations and you are amazing. Great job. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm going to read you one more email before we leave here. Uh, This person wrote, I just found your podcast. I listened to the one about the turnaround game and I completely related to the gentleman who emailed you. He's talking about an episode on love and abuse. I must have called it the turnaround game or something like that. It's when the emotional abuser turns around the conversation back to you, putting you on the defense so they can get away with something, so they don't have to explain themselves. And as long as you're in defense mode, then you're no longer focused on them. So it's a it's a clever game that some people play on you, and it's a really good episode that can be helpful if you find yourself constantly defending yourself. 
So it's called, I know the word turnaround, and I just don't know the whole title, but he said, I listened to the turnaround and completely related to the gentleman who emailed you during your explanation on the mean workbook, I completely fell apart. I had been abused like this for two years. I truly wanted to hear something that I couldn't relate to, but it became more familiar as you went on. So I want to thank you so much for what you're doing and let you know that you are helping me get through the toughest stage of my life. Your words have been more useful to me than my own therapist. I feel comforted that there is someone who can explain my situation and help teach me the rights and wrongs in behavior. Fortunately, I was able to end the relationship and she has been gone for about two months now. It has truly scarred me to love someone who treated me this way. I'm still dealing with the damage, of course, although now I can do it all with a clean head and know that I'm not worthless. Thank you for your work. Oh, what a amazing email. And I mean, I'm just touched by this email. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I also understand it's tough for you. It's so hard getting out of the emotionally abusive relationship. There's a lot of what they call traumatic bonding where you feel love and you feel abused and then you start to equate love with abuse and you don't think that you can get love without the abuse and it's really really hard really really tough stuff so i'm so grateful that you're out of that relationship it's going to take a little while to heal you're understanding that and yes you're probably hearing a lot of stuff that's very familiar to you on the show and i'm sorry you had to have that breakdown but like what i say earlier the when you hit the bottom you kind of have that springboard and it's a new direction for your life. So, you know, the breakup might have been the bottom for you. And now you're dealing with something else. You're you're single and you realize you went through all this abuse. And now you have a new perspective, but you still have the old trauma. It's like PTSD. It really is. You go through this emotional abuse and you feel so traumatized by it. And you're not even sure which way is up. And you're not even sure if you can trust your own decisions. And I, I totally get it. And I just want to thank you for writing this and it sounds like you have a great start to your life now and you're probably learning all the red flags that you need to look for in a new relationship you know when you're ready for a new one and there is so much to learn about the rights and wrongs about communication and um, I just want to again thank you for writing this thank you for sharing this and of course the emotional scars that you feel they're gonna heal you're gonna get through it and I really want you to believe that you are definitely not worthless I think people who don't feel worthy treat other people as worthless. So whatever your partner was doing to you at that time, they have to have it in them in order to treat somebody else like that. And we have a tendency as human beings to look at the one that we are in a relationship with as the one and only assessor of our worth. Sometimes we do that. I mean, there's a lot of us that look to our parents. I don't feel worthy because my parent never loved me. But a lot of the times we're in these relationships, we look to them as the assessor and they must know our worth. But sometimes they're wrong. When you're mistreated, they're wrong. <laughs> when you are disrespected, they're wrong about your worth. They're wrong about your significance. They're wrong about your lovability. And they're definitely wrong about the amazing person that you are because no one deserves to be disrespected and mistreated and especially abused in any way. No one deserves it because you're worthy. So you don't deserve it. And if the person you were thinks you deserve it, then there's something going on inside of them that needs help, that needs healing. Because a person has a choice to abuse or get out of the relationship. 
let's just say that your partner didn't like you anymore. They didn't want to be with you anymore. You know, whatever their reason is, they should follow their own path. You know what? I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, so I'm leaving. That would hurt too. I mean, that's going to feel pretty crappy. Like, what? what's wrong with me? I get that. But it's a lot better than being abused. When they abuse, there's really something going on inside of them. So there's a person who chooses to leave because they want to leave. They want to follow their own path. And everyone has a right to do that. And then there's the person who decides to abuse because they want to control you and make you conform to who they want you to be. When that happens, there's something not right in them. There's something that needs healing. And some people get it and some people don't. So I hope your ex-partner, whoever that was, gets it. I hope they understand what they did and they learn from what they did and they're able to heal and become an improved version of themselves. You know, a lot of emotional abusers, they're great people underneath that have these really crappy behaviors that try to control the people in the environment. And sometimes you just can't get past those behaviors to only see the great person underneath. So that happens. Sometimes they're not so great. Sometimes they're not so great underneath, but sometimes they are. But we can't stay just to wait for the great parts to come out when we're getting all this abuse that really hides all the greatness and makes them not so great, makes them very undesirable. And we also can't stay in a situation thinking that they're going to get better. Got to remember that trend line. If it's going up and to the right, then everything's great. If it's going to the right and it's pretty steady with some ups and downs, that's great too. But if it's going down and to the right, you know, the relationship just seems to be getting worse and worse. That's the trend. That's the pattern. And we got to watch for that and make sure that we see tomorrow is going to happen just like yesterday did. What's going to happen next year is the same thing that happened last year. When the trend line's going down, we just have to make our decision knowing that the future holds the same fate. But for this person, thank you so much for writing. Thank you for your words. I am humbled and I am grateful and I am so proud of you as well for getting through this and realizing that you are not worthless. Nobody deserves to be disrespected or devalued or made to feel unlovable. Now, there may be jerks out there that may not deserve it. You may think should be disrespected, but that's a lot different than someone who might need a talking to. <laughs> that's a lot different than someone who committed a crime and might need justice. But in general, in relationships, nobody deserves that. So if that's happening to you, you don't deserve that. You are worthy. You deserve more than this. And if you're not getting it, then some serious thoughts have to be made for your next steps. And that might involve a serious conversation about the truth, about what's happening in the relationship. So that's a whole other story. We could go on and on about that. But I want to thank both of these people that wrote to me and everyone that's written to me. I still have your emails. I never get to them in a timely manner. So it is difficult if you send me timely information. But I do my best and I hope that I'm able to cover all the topics that you bring up with me to help make your life better. I appreciate you. And with that, keep your mind open so that you can step into your power. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.